there this is another shenanigan free episode of the pastor's cut podcast as i'm alone in the booth this week my name is marissa carter i'm the pastoral care associate here at first baptist and normally i am one of a trio of voices you'd hear on this feed but dave and darren have left me alone to talk about christ's descent which feels appropriate as i am here forsaken and in need of solidarity Uh, Today's podcast corresponds with Darren's sermon for October 1st, and it's a continuation of our series on the Apostles' Creed. And at the center of the creed is not a doctrine or an idea, but a name, Jesus. As Christians, we don't just believe in a kind of um, nebulous pattern of guiding principles. Christianity is so much more than a standard for living a good life. The center of our belief, the center of who we are and why we are, is Christ. If we don't have the right understanding of Christ, his birth, his death, and resurrection, then we may be influenced by Christ's teachings, we may revere him, but can we really call ourselves Christians? The creed is largely a list of facts and doctrines and propositions, and I've described it before as kind of the doctrinal lattice on which we hang the passion and testimony of our living relationship with God. But it's striking to note that the first thing we say about Jesus before the statements of belief in the Incarnation is a statement of personal attachment. I believe in Jesus our Lord. To be a creedal Christian is to say that Jesus is more than a teacher or a guide or a holy man. And there's significance in the choice to say our Lord over my Lord. He's not just my Lord. He's more than that. He's Lord over the entire world. So within the line, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, is one of the oldest of Christian confessions, Jesus is Lord. In last week's sermon, Darren talked about the process of baptism in the early church and how each candidate for baptism professed the creed as they were brought out of the water. And we retain an element of that personal confession here at First Baptist within the profession Jesus is Lord, as it's the heart of the creed and thus the heart of our Christian faith. In Midmire's book, uh, The Apostles' Creed, He says that confessing Jesus as our Lord should be a realization that the truest thing about me now is my relationship to Jesus. And if you're teaching this or if you want to learn more about the Apostles' Creed and what it means to be a creedal Christian, I really recommend a book that Darren shared with me called Apostles' Creed for All God's Children by Ben Myers. It's really accessible um, both theologically and, you know, by Amazon Prime. It's only a purchase away. When we first say the words, Jesus is Lord with conviction and understanding, this is the moment of our salvation. To understand Jesus is Lord over both our personal lives and over all creation, it's a statement that's deeply personal and has cosmic universal significance. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There's no magic in speaking the words. The power isn't in an incantation, but in the confession. And I'm sorry, I have a stuffy nob today, so 
you know, they've left you with a sick kid. But we all have heard of people who say a prayer as fire insurance, who claim to be Christian just to cover their bases. But what our mouth professes is only an outward reflection of our heart's condition of allegiance to Jesus. In saying Jesus is Lord, we're attaching ourselves with absolute loyalty, trust, and affection to Jesus. There's a core teaching of Hasidic Judaism that says every descent is for the purpose of a greater ascent. We fall in order to rise. And the scriptures are full of stories of descent and ascension. Patriarchs and matriarchs who descended into Egypt, who God then brought up to the promised land. For example, because of the descent of Joseph, his betrayal at the hands of his family, his suffering in Egyptian slavery, and the pain of prison, God put him in position to rescue his people. Then, of course, there's the exodus, there's the grief of Ruth, then the exile, story after story of people falling low to then be lifted up into closeness with God and alignment with his greater plans of rescue and salvation. And in the creed, we have that same pattern of falling and rising, descent and ascent. Christ's story is the fulfillment of the promises laid throughout every echo of that pattern throughout time. Jesus the Christ, who contained all the fullness of God, descended to be born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and he descended to the dead. So I'm probably aging myself, but I can say that I was a very young child when this, uh, when this song was popular. But do you remember the Bette Midler song, From a Distance? It's a decent song. It was on the radio a lot during my formative years, and I'm pretty sure I had the sheet music to it. As far as Bette Midler songs, it's second only to Wind Beneath My Wings when it comes to songs that I um, belt out while washing my dishes to annoy my husband. But the theology is awful. Bette sings of a benevolent but clueless God who sees the best in all of us because his vantage point is too far away to see our reality. He only sees us from a distance. In reality, God is not at a distance. He doesn't have an idealistic view of us. He knows how tragically broken we are, and he loves us through it. He's right beside us. He stoops down from heaven to help and guide us. God, who surpasses all human understanding, makes himself known to us through his written word and his word made flesh, Jesus. Our cosmic, divine, all-knowing God condescended to us and became one of us, spoke our language, sang our songs, suffered our pain and solidarity, in embracing us, he embraced all human experience, including death. And in that ultimate act of solidarity, we know that he is a trusted companion because he's been here before. And we can have confidence that, as Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even death. We are not alone. In the descent, we see that Jesus was truly committed to the reconciliation between humanity and the divine. He was fully committed to being in a loving relationship with us, and we see that God has been in solidarity with us from the very beginning, that through the arc of time, God has been with us in every stumble, every fall since the first in Eden. Nothing has been a surprise to him, and he's never forsaken us. God has been moving us toward our ascent, moving us toward our ultimate rescue from sin and death so that we'll never fall again. The promised land has always been a renewed Eden, the kingdom of God, where we can live in a perfect relationship with our Father because of Jesus. Psalm 113, 4 through 9 says, The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sits with them, princes, and the princes of his people. 
he settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. And with the incarnation of Jesus, God did more than stoop to help us. He became one of us. He shared our weakness and bore our sin. Our scripture for October 1st says it best, so we'll close our podcast with Philippians 2, 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you.